Hey family, I'm so excited for all that God has done in the first nine months of our community. There have been so many amazing stories, so many incredible moments, but listen, as exciting as this is, we know that this is only the beginning. Listen, there's so much vision that God has for the Becoming Church, and as part of that vision, we want to continue to serve our community. We want to expand locally. We want to reach spaces of the world. We want to share the story of Jesus. Listen, we often say that we don't determine the vision, but we do get to determine the pace of the vision. And we do that through our Bricklayers offering, which is an annual offering where we get to give above and beyond our normal giving. And so as a church community, we're coming together on December 11th to see what God will do through each of us. And listen, we are asking that you give, but we are asking you that you ask God what he would have you to do. I know this family, Jesus is building his church and he's building it brick by brick. To find out ways that you can participate, simply go to thebecomingchurch.org. Listen, family, the best is still to come. Excited today. Today is Team Preach Sunday. Now, yes, now when the Becoming Church was launched, it was not launched based on a personality. It was not based on a person, but it was based on Jesus and the people that would be the wills of the vision that God has for the church. And so you're like, what are you saying? Meaning that my voice or Katie's voice, but I guess it's been primarily my voice, isn't the only voice that would be heard here in the church. But this church is supposed to be a place that equips, that raises up. It's not built on a person. It's not built on the name, right? And so that's what Sundays like Team Preach Sunday is. And we're going to do this uh, different times throughout the year. And so this is the first time. And, and you're going to see it be introduced to some speakers here in just a moment. But I want to give out some, some instructions before we get going here. So some of our speakers today... They range from just being veterans in this thing. And they're, they're actually after my job, actually. I'm joking. It's a joke. It's to lighten you up. It's to lighten you up. But then some of our communicators this morning are like, yo, this is new. But regardless of where they are, I need y'all to lean in this morning. Yes, I need yes. you to amen them down. I need you to give them a little shout. Give them a little, like, nod your head. Let them know that you are, are with them. Just like your favorite football team, when the opposing team is in that end zone and they can't hear, it's because the fans, the 12th man is going wild. So what I'm saying is give them some support because here's why. Not because it's a performance, but because you're going to pull out. You're going to draw out what God has already placed in them. And it's so that it can minister, not just to them, but minister uh, to, to us in this place today. And so I'm really excited for that. And I just wanted to give us a little bit of instruction um, as we prepare to hear from these amazing communicators, which I am extremely uh, proud of them because I hit them up. And we, this wasn't even a discussion. Like I hit them up, I was like, yo, I think you should be a part of Team Free Sunday. Cool? Cool. All right. <laughs> so it's going to be a, a fantastic day, but we're going to go ahead and jump uh, right into this. Yes, I'm so excited to have the opportunity to introduce our first speaker. Um, so just a little bit about her. She um, travels and pours into other church ministries, specifically kids ministry. But she has poured into this church so much in 
not just to church, to our kids, but also to us and mm-hmm. to me. She's an encouragement to me, and I just appreciate her so much. So can you give it up for Esther? Show your love. <laughs> you look so beautiful today. <laughs> hey, do me a favor. If you believe that we serve a God who is alive and active and has a plan for your life, I need for you to put your hands together this morning. And I'm going to go ahead and give a shameless plug that I have not been prompted to do. But if you are looking for a place where you belong, I want you to know that this ministry is solid ground. If you are looking for a place where you can grow in your faith and believe, I want you to know that your seats are in fertile soil that you are not going to get any gimmicks here because I've been looking for them and I have not found them yet. But I'm going to tell you today, and and I'm saying this because God has given me the most amazing opportunity to work with ministry, some of the largest ministries in the country. God has allowed me to speak before audiences of thousands. But when it comes to my growth, when it comes to my faith, I choose to be in this place, in this church, in this school. Because I believe that God has a plan and it is an intricate part of my journey to becoming. And I believe for so many of you today, it is an intricate part of your journey to becoming. So because of that... I have named this The Journey to Becoming. (laughs) And I'm going to take us on that journey in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, starting in verse 18. I told them when I get up here, I am running, and I'm not going to stop running. (laughs) All right, it reads, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Church, listen to me this morning. You will become all that you need to be when you decide to follow Jesus. I'm going to say that for this side. You will become all that you need to be when you decide to follow Jesus. But in order to do that, we need to embrace three things this morning. So point number one, the journey to becoming demands that you leave something you're familiar with. Listen to me, because church, you cannot become without leaving something behind Andrew and Peter, in order for them to become, they had to leave that which they were familiar with. The, the, uh, these boats, I know. This, this craft of fishing, I understand. The, these nets, I'm familiar with. But this, this greater calling you're calling me to, this burning desire I have in my heart, I do not recognize this. This is unreliable. But you know what the word says? that they left their nets, they left their nets. But listen to this, had they not left, they would not have become. 
So the question for us today is, are we going to choose to just stick to that which is familiar? Or will we boldly go forth and follow Jesus, whether that means that we have to drop that, that, that house or that city or that career path or that 10-year plan that you have been working so hard on for your entire life? Or will you put down your net and catch your destiny and become all that God is calling for you to be? Point number two. <laughs> The process to becoming is not always comfortable, but it is necessary. Listen, that thing that God is stirring in your heart, that gifting that he has put directly into you, that vision that you are afraid to activate because you don't know what's going to happen. I am telling you today that if God is calling you to it, if Jesus is the one who is saying, come and follow me and listen to this, you better know who's speaking to you. Listen, if you are not praying daily, if you are not studying to show yourself approved, it is going to mess with the reception of what you hear. You will not be able to hear what God is trying to say. But if we know that it is from him, listen, that thing will take you to a greater place. Listen, Peter and Andrew they already had the boat. They had the trade. They had the business. They invested blood, sweat, and tears to build generational wealth, not just for them, but for their families. They had a plan, and it was a good plan. But they left it all. They walked away from it. They left it all. And it was hard. And it was painful. And it was, it was scary. But let me tell you, because they left that, we do not know them today because of their small fishing business. We know them today because their names are written in the eternal book of life. <laughs> Friends, hear me today. Jesus says, come and follow me. But then he says this, and I will make you. I will make you. We don't have to worry about making ourselves. We don't have to walk in fear because he will make you. Because he doesn't call the equip. He equips the call. And if you don't know that, you better open up your word this morning. Last point. <laughs> Look at that time. Following God's instructions to do something in your journey to becoming is never a bad idea. Listen, the goal of the Becoming Church is to build disciples and to help you to tap into the greater works that God has placed inside of you so that you may shake up the kingdom of darkness for the glory of God. Listen, I know you got your degree in this. I know you're climbing the ladder to get here. I know that you have been saving up to get this. I get it, I get it. But the question is, what is God wanting to breathe on in and through you if only you would decide to become? The last thing I'm going to say to you today, that life, the goal of every person is not to be what you've been accustomed to be, but the goal is to be what God wants you to be. And the only way that you're going to do that is if you decide to follow Jesus. Next one. 
Y'all give it up for Esther. Come on. So good. So good. And next, uh, coming up to share with us uh, this morning uh, is a young man. Wait, who am I? Is a young man. What, what kind of language am I using? I may have just crossed over to something. I didn't even realize that. Y'all pray for me. Uh, but next coming up is someone who I'm extremely uh, proud of and has been, um, and we got connected, I guess, coming up almost on a year now, and it's just been uh, amazing to see uh, just all how God is using him and who uh, he's becoming and um, really has been ingrained into the life of this church, and, and it's just been amazing uh, to see what God has done in his life and what he's doing in his life and God's hand uh, on his life, and I was so excited for him when I talked to him about this, and he's like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, you can do it. You got it. He's like, but I've never. I'm like, it'll be fine. It's going to be great. You're going to do, do a fantastic job. It's going to be good. And so uh, it's Micah. And so he leads us every single Sunday, uh, leads this team in worship, and just has responded to what God has put uh, in front of him with a let's go attitude with like, okay, he's asking me for something that I'm not sure, but I'll do it and I'll get it done. And he has done that every single step of the way. And I couldn't be more proud of him and how he's responded and to the husband uh, that he is and soon to the father uh, that he's going to be in February. So would y'all give it up uh, for Micah as he comes to the stage? What's up, guys? Just going to let y'all know I'm a little nervous. Like he said, this is my first time. So don't throw any tomatoes or anything like that. All right, let me get this open. So uh, what's up, family? My name is Micah. I'm, I'm actually really excited to be here this morning. I'm excited to share with you this morning. Um, so when I was praying on what to share, I felt like the Lord was calling me to share on this idea of authentic worship. Um, and there's a story in John uh, where we see Jesus hinting at the idea of authentic worship. So in John chapter 4, it tells us a story of Jesus' encounter with a woman at the well. So some of you may be familiar um, with this passage, but if not, no worries. Uh, You'll be able to follow along with the conversation this morning. In John 4, 23, he says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. So right there in John 4, 23, Jesus gives us a definition of what true and authentic worship looks like. He says true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. And so if there's a way to worship that's authentic and there's a way to worship that's pleasing to God, then there's a way that is counterfeit and not pleasing. So as children of God, we need to learn and understand what true and authentic worship is. So let's make some observations on what authentic worship looks like. Authentic worship requires total obedience. In the, story, in, the, in the story of Abraham and Isaac, there's a perfect example of worship. God asks Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, his only son, his promised son. Abraham decides to be fully obedient. He packs up his gear. He takes with him Isaac and two servants. Uh, when they get to the mountain, Abraham says this in Genesis 22.5. He said to the servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back. Notice that Abraham said, we will worship. Abraham called the surrender of his son, the surrender of everything he had, his sacrifice. That is exactly what it means to worship. It means to give up your dreams, your plans, your wants, and instead choose God and his wants for you. 
And Abraham, he had no idea what was going to happen, but he chose to worship anyway. And his worship was expressed through his obedience. So how willing are we to worship and obey God without knowing that next step? Are we willing to trust completely? Not partly, not just giving a little bit, like I'll give you this God, but I'm going to keep this to me. No, how, how willing are we to give everything to him? So Abraham took Isaac to the mountain, and he was prepared to offer him as a sacrifice until at the right time the angel of the Lord instructed Abraham not to lay a hand on Isaac and pointed out a ram to him in the bush that was provided for a sacrifice instead. The lesson for us is that obedience precedes provision. Many of, many of us want first the provision, and then we'll obey. But it doesn't work like that. It starts with our obedience first. And the reason we can choose obedience is because we first decided to worship, just like Abraham did. Our second observation on authentic worship is that it is not based on your circumstance. Worship is not based on what's happening around you. Our emotions come and go with life. So if we're only letting our emotions be the driving force of our worship, then we've missed it. The Bible tells us the story of a man named Job. He has everything stripped from him, his wealth, his children, his health. And yet in light of everything that the enemy, that the enemy took from him, he did not give in to sin. He did not dismiss God. And he was asking God to take him out because it was so bad. So that's not to say that hard times aren't going to come. But we have to realize that worship is not meant to be fueled by our circumstance, but instead by who God is. We worship him. We worship him not because of what he's done, but because of who he is. Life can be going great. Everything is on the up. But our worship and faith is truly tested when we praise God in any season. We never know what's on the other side of that storm till we get through it. And then we see in Job, he's given back everything several fold. The story of Job and his response is one of the best examples of unconditional worship, the kind of love that God gives us. It's unconditional worship that is not based on circumstance. So the challenge for us this morning is to choose worship no matter what. And now we have examples of worship, of what true worship is. Worship is total surrender, and it is not conditional of your circumstance. It says in Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says, So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God for all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And so as children of God, it is our reasonable response to worship God and all that God has done, and even more because of who he is. Because he is the only one who is totally worship of our, or totally um, worthy of our praise, of our worship. That's what worship is. It ascribes worth, and God is worth it. He is a healer. He is a redeemer, a deliverer, and he gave Jesus, his son, through sacrifice, which made salvation available to you and me. Otherwise, without that, we would have nothing. And I want you to know that his will is perfect for you. You may have your own plan set up, but God has something way bigger on the other side of it. And you may not know what it is, but you have to be willing to obey and surrender and step out. And God is God no matter what happens. So that means we have to worship no matter what happens. Amen. Come on, one more time. We gotta give it up for Micah. This morning. Well, next uh, coming up uh, is someone that I've known for uh, quite some time. And uh, he was actually a part 
um, of youth ministry uh, with us uh, for, I think, maybe a little bit as a student, then as a leader. And then Katie and I uh, had a chance to officiate uh, he and uh, Jalen's wedding. And so I guess what I'm saying, I've been trying to get rid of him, but I haven't <laughs> succeeded. <laughs> but I'm proud of Caleb, proud of the man that he has become and uh, the husband um, that he is becoming and how he loves uh, his wife and how he loves uh, the Lord. And uh, the, the only thing that I'm still asking God uh, to help me to get through to him is for him to understand that he does not stand a chance with me in basketball. That's, that's been the only, only thing. But we all give it up for Caleb as he comes and shares with us this morning. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> You may be wondering why I'm limping. It's because I learned I'm not 18 anymore this weekend, and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> well, good morning. My name is Caleb, and like Pastor said, it's an incredible honor and a privilege to speak before you. But we're going to get right into the Word because it's six minutes. Philippians 1, 12 through, 12 through 19, we're going to read it right, at, uh, right away. It's in the NIV, and it should be right behind me. Awesome. And it says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel. And we're going to jump down to verse 18 of the same chapter, and he says, But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Paul, in this moment, if you recognize, this is the book of Philippians. It's a, it's a book on joy. It's Paul writing a thank you note to the Philippians for the gifts that he was given by them. And, and in this moment right here, Paul is in a prison. He is in a moment that he is vulnerable, that it is bad. He's in a dirty, nasty place, yet he is saying, and I want to highlight this very specific point of verse 18, he says, yes, I will continue to rejoice out of his own suffering, out of his own pain, out of the things that was going hard in his life. He said, I will continue to rejoice. It was his perspective that said, I refuse to let this momentary suffering Determine what's going to happen. Determine what my attitude is in that moment, right? In the same way for us, in the same way for us, I want to challenge you with this idea. Like Paul suffering in prison, what is your perspective when you're in a moment of suffering? You might be saying, why on earth would I ever want to be in a position of suffering? Because there's this one thing that we often forget about suffering, God likes to call it refinement. Yeah, right? He likes to call it. We call it suffering oftentimes, but it's what God uses often to grow us. I, I grew really fast when I was 15. I remember I was five foot seven, and then by, at the beginning of the summer, and by the end of the summer, I was six foot three. It hurt. I'm telling you, it hurt. But the suffering refined, and it grew me. If you take an oak tree, right, what, what's an oak tree start with? It starts with an acorn. If you didn't know it, that's the, that's the seed of an oak tree. It's an acorn. And when you plant an acorn, you dig a hole and you put it in the ground and then you cover it, right? You cover it. That acorn in that moment, it's cold in that dirt. 
It is wet in that dirt. It is dark in that dirt. But the potential for the acorn to grow only is achieved when we leave it there and let it grow. We have to leave it there. Some of us are so nervous about being uncomfortable that we pray ourselves out of our own sanctification. Some of us act like we've been buried by the world, but really we've been planted by God. But we're too scared to wait for the outcome of our own growth. So we pray a prayer of comfort and peace and pray for God to remove this trial from us while we're self-identifying it as an attack from Satan. Look, saying, while God all the, all the while is saying, look at this opportunity I have given you. Take it. Embrace it. This is an opportunity for this acorn to grow. And I'm not talking about a tree. I'm talking about us. We're the acorn. We're the acorn. It's our opportunity to grow. We cannot dictate the season of life we are in, but we can dictate our response to it. Without this perspective shift that Paul had, we end up trying to pray ourselves out of that sanctification because we're just not willing to be uncomfortable for a moment. Sanctification is the process of becoming more like Christ. It's refining, purifying, and cleansing us of anything that is not of him. Don't run from the testing in your life. Embrace it. 1 Peter 5, 10 and 11 says, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. It's his glory, his glory that happens when we are willing to sit in this moment and say, God, I embrace this moment that is hard, this moment that hurts, this moment that I don't understand. When I get to work tomorrow and I don't understand why it's hard, where this thing's happening, why my boss is mad at me, why my kids are upset, why my spouse is mad at me, I can say in this moment, God... I submit to you, I will refuse to look at all the things, all these horizontal things, and I will change my perspective from this to this and say, this is yours. I submit it to you. It takes a shifting from our perspective of God, take this from me to God, teach me through this. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieved for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Embrace the trials. It receives, you receive an eternal glory, and God is praised. If we sit in the moment and say, God, I'm willing to learn. Are you willing to let God use you in your position of suffering as Paul did in prison? Rejoice in the trials. Embrace them. They're what make you you. They're what makes you grow. Next time you feel overwhelmed, hurt, challenged, or buried, remind yourself, I'm not buried. I'm just planted. Amen. Amen. One more time. Y'all give it up for Caleb this morning. I'm not buried. I'm just planted. That's good. We're coming to... Uh, take us home to land this plane uh, this morning is none other uh, than God, which this, this is not even fair because this is like this husband-wife tag team situation that God and Esther 
has going on. I don't know, like, you know, what are y'all conversations are like, you know, who's going to be the best, you know, one to articulate how the other is right. But anyway, I'm excited. Would y'all give God a hand as he comes to the stage? Hey, can you all, uh, if you know it, sing it with me. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Oh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Now, listen, 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 Mike, I'm not, I'm not auditioning for the praise and worship team. I'm not, you don't gotta worry about that. But I wanted to begin with the song because I want to begin with the end in mind. You see, my goal for today is that you all leave with the spiritual truth that you will not quickly forget. That it falls on the fertile soil of your hearts, and this Little Light of Mine is the song that the Lord used to gravitate my attention to our scripture today. You see, it comes um, from Matthew chapter 5. It is a part of the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most prolific pieces of Jesus' teaching that we have captured in the canonization of scripture. And it's one that you could quickly overlook. You could quickly go past it because he's just downloading truth into the disciples when he teaches this. But it is the title of our conversation for these six minutes. I want you to let your light shine. Let your light shine. Read it with me. It should be on the screen behind me, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. It's an interesting truth because I believe when the disciples heard this for the first time, they may have been a little bit shocked, right? Like, we're following you. You, Jesus, (laughs) are the light of the world. But the reality is that he had to remind them, just like I feel commissioned to remind you and myself, that no, he's given you part of that assignment, to be the light of the world. And I don't want that to be lightly taken because it is a sacred responsibility that is upon all of our lives. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, then you and I are the light of the world. That means when we walk into a room, the situation should be different. When we open up our mouths, rivers of living water should be flowing out of us. When we pray, we should expect mountains to uproot and cast themselves into the sea. But are we doing that? That he tells us that we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. That he has good works. That he has mapped out for before the foundations of the world were laid for us to walk in. But are we living that way? This scripture tells us that our lives are supposed to be put on a pedestal. So that a dark world sees it and asks, what is it about you that makes you different than what I see? But the reality is, brothers and sisters, that we don't always live up to that standard. And the crazy thing is, he says, it's like a city being on a hill, being hidden. It's like the very thing that I have asked to be prominently displayed that you put a basket over. That is the foolishness. But if you don't allow the purpose and the plans that he puts in you to live up to their full potential, that's what it looks like. It looks something like this. I called you to be on prominent display. I called you to change atmospheres and you're sitting here looking like this. Walking around indistinguishable from the rest of the world. Is that foolish? 
when you don't live up to what he's placed in you and has caused you to be, that is what it looks like. A hidden city. Are you all hearing me? And this is something that's a reality for me as well. I was recently passed over for a promotion and it hurt. It caused me to question, am I capable? Am I competent? Am I the person that I thought I was able to be? It caused me to question the Lord's plan for my life. I'm talking like not a couple of days. I'm talking like five months of, Lord, wait a minute now. Uh, I, ha- I had a plan. That was not because we were going to walk this way. We were going to go together. This was the next rollout. So that was supposed to be an a S in front of my VP. But no, it didn't happen. And I began to question. And what had happened is I allowed my circumstance to be calibrating me, to diminish my light, to let me put it under a bushel and a basket. And my question is, how many times are you all doing that as well? Allowing your circumstances to dictate how much light that you are allowing to shine. You see, I don't care what he said. I don't care that she rejected you. I don't care that you got passed over. I don't care that you didn't win this race because that doesn't diminish the purpose that God has for you. It doesn't undermine the plans that he has for you, that he's still ordering your steps. His word is true and his promises are yes and amen. And I think the problem is, is that we begin to put the bushel over ourselves because we are not staying saturated in this. That we are not in our prayer closet so that when the enemy says something about us, we begin to believe his voice over the report of the Lord. Are you hearing me? Because, see, the enemy may say, oh, you ain't got no money. Your change is looking strange. But no, no, no. The word of God says that, uh, do you know that my daddy has a cattle on a thousand hills and that he meets all my needs according to his riches and the glory? The enemy may try to tell you, oh, you don't have a purpose. But God says, oh, no, wait a minute. Before the foundations of the world were laid, I mapped out things. The work I started in you, I'm going to complete it. The enemy may say that you're ugly, but God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. We have to stand on the truth. The enemy may say you are disqualified because of that messy past. But God says that if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. The old is gone, and behold, all is new. And we have to allow ourselves to be connected to the light because you know what? That is the light. That is the light. That is the light. And the reason why is that it's not just for you. If you see in the scripture, and I'm asking to put it back up there, the last few verses, it says, so that others may see your light and may glorify the God that you serve. You are robbing people of the light. You are supposed to be setting the world ablaze. But when you are diminishing yourself, then they cannot see the light. And God is robbed of the glory. So today, in this moment, I want to make sure first that if you don't have the light, that you have the light. Because we can't be reflecting the light that we don't have. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, I want to ask. If this is a light that you yourself don't know, that Jesus, the one that stepped into the darkness of this world and saved our souls, if you have not made a decision for him to be that light in your life, but you are ready to make that decision today, I want you to just quickly put your hand up. You know what, Lord? I have been walking in darkness, but now I want to see the light. I want to be transformed from darkness into light and to allow that light to shine for others. So if that's you, Go ahead and put your hand up. Secondly, if maybe it may not be, I've known the Lord for a long time. 
I've seen him, I've walked with him, but I maybe have been stepping away. I've been allowing that bushel to be over my head, not living out to the potential that he called me to live into. If that's you, I want you to go ahead and raise your hand. I want to be a light. I want to be the light. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Hallelujah. Well, everybody can can look up again. We're going to end with a moment of prayer, and we're going to pray that all of us, that he would just add fuel to that fire, that he would pour on us and fan those gifts and callings into flame. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for every family that is represented in here today. We recognize that you called us to be the light of the world to bring glory to you and your kingdom, to remind a dark and a dying world that there is a God in heaven and that you are working all things out to your appointed end. Father, I pray that you would just set our hearts and minds ablaze with a light that only no man can extinguish. Father, let us not bury it. Let us not hide it. Let us not diminish it. Let us let it shine so that people will see and that you will get the glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen.